the Maple Leafs season's off to a rough start when they're signing Dan DeKaiser to a PTO for the Marlies. I mean, that's a great start. That is a good – yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe the Red Wings should – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought that was funny, though, to come across the timeline and like, oh, Dan DeKaiser. Also, Toronto doesn't have any contract spots, so I don't know what's going on. Basically, they're just kind of paying – I think they're going to pay him to just be on a tryout. Yeah, probably. It's Yeah, it's kind of weird. Unless they, um, I mean, they could offer him like big money as an on an AHL deal, to my I knowledge. Think the, the Panthers could probably use him more than the Leafs could. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're really talking about Red Wings like playoff the brand chances. New number one defenseman. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Did you see Mark Stahl in the top pair? I yes. said that as a joke. I said that as a joke last episode. I, I, dude, who else? They don't have anyone else to put up there. He did get his soul stolen by David Pasternak the other night. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Number one defenseman. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that was funny. I, I was like, wow, the Red Wings. I confidently said the Red Wings defense is better. Confidently. So that's, that's, hey, change from last year. We're looking up. This is season right now, 2022, 2023 for the Red Wings. Vibes are up there. Yeah. High. High. I would, I would say, yeah. The Atlantic's really interesting. Very yeah. interesting division. Yeah. Like when you look at it from like a whole, like, I mean, yeah, Ottawa, the Ottawa hype hasn't lived up to it. The Maple Leafs haven't I beat d- the Coyotes. Ottawa kind of had a coming out party at home. I think they just needed some time to get their feet wet. Yeah, I mean, they're also playing the Bruins on a back-to-back. So I don't I don't know how much I put into it. I, I just think the Bruins have been had a pretty good start to the season. where I, They've been I way better than expected. I, I would agree. I just don't know how sustainable it is with their – Six defensemen. Yeah, losing Carlos, big loss, and then that replacing him with Strawman basically on paper is not great. It's not great. Um, Swayman's also been every game he's played, he's been interesting. <laughs> I <laughs> like Jeremy Swayman. Two. I like him a lot too. It's just like Mark's been start. really good. So that's I know, good yeah, for them. yeah, big for them. It's but uh, the yeah. bright spot of having a really good tandem. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we'll talk about the Red Wings tandem too, for sure. That saw its ups and downs. But uh, welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. Yeah. So, Red Wings season so far, two zero and one. Can't can't say I'm surprised with like the quality of team that they played both, but the way they won games was com- the way they actually I should say I should clarify the way they got points in each of those games was completely different. And it's kind of what you like. You need to be able to eke out points as a fringe team in different ways. And it's kind of like the perfect example for like this three-game sample size to see the different looks of the Red Wings, especially as well. We factor in the third game with two big losses in the top six and still being able to eke out a point. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's something I've undervalued after the last game is that they had two of their top six forwards out of the lineup. I, yeah. I've actually really undervalued that. Cause I mean, on paper, if you put in Bertuzzi and Veron in the lineup, I consider the rosters pretty similar with LA and Detroit. I really don't think LA is that much better on paper. No, I don't think so either. Um, And I think they're a really good team. Yeah. Actually. I, I just think I, LA is a playoff team. The West is a lot 
worse than the East. Did so you see? Um, a lot. Did you see the record for West teams playing the Eastern Conference this year so far? No, I haven't. Thirteen, four, and three, or one. Excuse me, thirteen, yeah. four, and one. Eastern Conference is Eastern Conference over Western. Am I surprised? No. Yeah, no. It we've it's very much the East over the West. It's not close. Um, before we jump into that third game, because I think we want to spend the most time since it's freshest in our mind. Well, I, I'd also like to comment on this. Even watching Buffalo versus Edmonton last night. Oh my I mean, god! I, yeah. I'm not. I mean, a Eric lot of Comrie, have Eric a night. Comrie, but have a night. Red Wings legend. I, I think. Um, Buffalo is like this. The Atlantic Atlantic division is just really good. A lot of fun. Yes, Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit are very fun teams. Yes, I'm excited for when Detroit plays Buffalo. We can have Carson Gates on his Oxen Buffalo Sabers. Yes, they're they're JJ Paterka is a very freak. good, very good. Tage Thompson's goal last night. Also, <laughs> Dal Darlene Surgents, resurgence, just a surgence basically. Okay. Um, he hasn't really ever labeled himself as a clear top defenseman in the league. This could be and the year. No, this is the year. <laughs> he has three goals in his first three games, and he's dominated on both ends of the ice. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, he is. Player. Also, Ilya Labushkin's hit. Oh, my gosh. He buckled, buckled Holloway. Like right in the trolley tracks, just unbelievable hit. And then, uh, did you see that halt or like uh, Labushkin's goal song? Is what? What is it? The gummy or I'm a gummy bear? Yeah, well, I mean, it's gonna play like once all year, and it's gonna be so funny when it does. <laughs> so worth uh, it. Oh, uh, uh, how do you feel? This is we're going way off topic, and I don't. Oh, even extremely care. off topic. It I don't even care. Matter. Um, how do you feel about like teams doing that with goal songs? I think it's awesome. I think I think teams need more of that. Victor Olofsson's little ABBA action, I love that. I don't I don't know if I like it or not, but for like some teams, I think it's like like Buffalo. It's so fitting. Yeah, definitely is like a fun up and coming team. I don't know. I think Detroit also like pins itself. Going back to Detroit, they pin themselves in this corner of being this traditionalist team and not like going out and doing things. I mean, I think our social media from like the the content purposes has gotten a little more fun as the rebuilds kind of progressed but yeah like when twitter like like when hockey twitter kind of first started like red wings were just posting the schedule posting the post uh first period score and that was it it's cut and dry there was not much else to it no um i think like a team like toronto they just their goal song is just so iconic in my eyes they just can't switch it I know people have been complaining about it a little bit, like trying to get yeah, rid of it. They're ridiculous. Those people are <laughs> idiots. Oh, funny. All right. Well, should we start or should we start talking about some Red Wings hockey? Actually. Yeah. I think like going back to yeah, the the first game, the home opener. Um, that was the perfect game for Derek Lalone's debut. Exactly how he wanted the team to play. And I was pretty I I guessed. Over text with some messages, I guessed four nothing win. I was pretty close with the. What did I say? Four one. You said four one. I think. I and it was three nothing, so pretty close. Easily though, the biggest takeaway from this game, and no pun intended, is the uh, aforementioned the Redwood line. 
because holy shit, that first shift was some of the most fun I've had watching hockey in a long time. That almost first, whatever it was, eight or nine minutes, it was complete ozone domination. Yeah. Um, that line in particular on the cycle <laughs> is so much fun. Yeah. It's to the point where uh, over these last couple of games the, with the injuries, I don't even want to see Elmer Soderbaum get it moved to a top line just because I love him playing with Sonny and Rass. That line has been yes. so fun. It's like, yes. I just leave him there. I just don't, don't even want to move. <laughs> that line should not be touched. As of just right think now. About, no. And I like, I wrote like an article uh, recently. You should go check it out if you haven't. But I basically like that's an X factor for this team this year. If that line can continue this over an 82 game season, that's ridiculous. Like no other yeah. team can match that. No, the, the size and whatnot. I mean, against LA, I think they had their like their toughest match in terms of like a strong defensive team trying to match up against that. But even then, like when you watch the goal, like actually, I'll wait to. Ah, I've already started my thought. I might as well go into them. Bouncing between games now with the Redwood line. Um, they were on the ice for two goals against for sure. They might have been out for more, but if you look at the plays and really break them down, Rasmussen got a stick on one of them that bounced off his stick and it went to one of their guys and they scored. And the other one was Sonny got a piece of it and he was kind of reaching for it. It was in the air and it ended up going to, I think it was Kempe's goal where he went, where he got the puck and scored far side on Huso. Yeah. It's just like, you think about it, like how often are those plays actually going to work if you redo them 10 times? How many times is, are those working? Yeah, they were kind of weird transitional rush plays too. Mm-hmm. Kind of would have liked to see those played better by the two defensemen. I think both goals were 5-3 were five, three, five, three and 8. Uh, yes. Yeah, and they kind of struggled that game to say the least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, switching back to the Montreal game, I mean, how, what better way for Elmer Soderblom to make his debut and with his parents there and score the first goal of the game? Yeah, he was he was great. That whole it's hard to even point out one player from that line because all three were great, but it was so awesome to see Elmer play the way he did. I mean, he was dominant. He's an, I, he's a, a he's an NHL player. Yes, and. The couple things that I was worried about going into the NHL season, um, I haven't seen worrisome aspects, worrisome things take place in the in the aspects I was worried about. Defensively, I haven't, re- I wasn't really worried because I didn't really care. I just think <laughs> I wanted him to be so effective that the defense doesn't matter, and. Um, Getting knocked off the puck easy was one of the things I was a little bit worried about because he's so big and he hasn't been used to this physical of a game yet. And I haven't seen that yet. I mean, there's a couple of times he's just so big that he gets, he falls down easy, but it hasn't been like where he's on the puck for a while and he just gets bounced off. He's been dominant protecting the puck in the O's. Yeah, 100%, especially that game. I mean, the one play where he puts it between, uh, he, it's his first shift still. 
he's going back around and he kind of loses it for a second, but then he oh like gosh. goes backhand through his legs and keeps it in the corner. Amazing. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, also, shout out Michael Rasmussen, who we were kind of worried about going back to center. Um, his goals for percentage in this game was 99%. <laughs> the only shot that Montreal had on goal when Michael Rasmussen was in the ice of this game was from center ice. Yeah. That is ridiculous. He looks great. Like he even over the other games too. He looks at the same level that he was playing at the end the end of last season. Which I know you kind of touched on this line as a whole as an X factor, but I, I'd argue that it's almost more of Michael Rasmussen's play is an X factor because okay, I, I kind of see this line as a possibility of not being together all year, especially with Sunquist and his injury, his injuries. Yeah. And if injuries continue in the top of the lineup, I do think Elmer might be plugged in up there <laughs> because he's been so good and he has the ability to produce offensively. Yeah. So you're going to need to plug guys in with Rass on that third line. And Rass needs to find a way to be as good as he's been, if not better. And I think he's capable of doing that. I've I've loved what I've saw from him through the past three games. So much more confidence, and that leads back into his finish to last year. Um, and it's not just confident, confidence in the defensive zone. It's all over the ice. I, th- I really think this neutral zone system, too, fits – this line so well because they're basically running it up basically running a one one three in the neutral zone it's almost like a trap um and they have all such long reaches that it's really easy to force a turnover and be back on the rush in which i think elmer can end up being a great rush player and rasmussen over the last two years though hasn't been it's been very up and down he's shown that he's a pretty good player off the rush. His shot is really deceptive from the left side. Um, So if they can kind of use the neutral zone as a trap like that and create off the rush chances, I do like that line a lot for that too. 100%. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's one, that's my biggest takeaway from this game is the neutral zone. I, the neutral zone, the last three two to three years has been miserable and it's made me want to rip my eyes out and it's it's kind of interesting seeing the way they're implementing this system it's almost like a one one three where you have two guys almost standing still getting in passing lanes and then three guys on the far blue line basically above your defensive zone which it's it's kind of a it's like Reminds me of NHL when it used to be broken when people would do the the neutral zone trap. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> really bad. And I used to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, other things from this game: uh, Perron and Schrott wearing the A's. Pretty cool to see. Um, not surprising. Um, I really loved Billy Huso's game. Yeah, I thought he, was, he was fantastic. 
He's fantastic that game. I also um, thought Jake Allen on the other end was fantastic. Oh my, he was I mean, first, ama- he's amazing. 25 saves the first period, which is also the most shots the Red Wings have had in opening period since I want to say 2009, I think it was. 2008, I think. Was it? Even better. Tana Cup, yeah. here we come. Cheers. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought all the new guys, I mean, I think Perron didn't have a great game this game. He looked like he was still adjusting. Same with Andrew Kopp. I thought he was still adjusting a little bit. It was nice for him to get the, that first point of the year on the empty netter. But again, uh, I also like Robert Hag. Me too. I thought I've Hag actually, was, was I've actually liked him throughout. I thought his weakest game was against LA. Me too. Um, but I've liked him more than Lindy. Yes and no. It's kind of been in between for me. I think Hag has been pretty steady though. I didn't yeah. realize how much of a boomer he has from the point. His windup is so strange, too. <laughs> Although he hasn't hit the net once, I don't think. His shot's yeah, kind of a cannon. He had one play where he missed wide and, it, and Soderblom got the rebound. And I think yeah. Ken Ken was like, oh, yeah, he missed on purpose. I'm like, no, he didn't. He always says that. <laughs> I know. It's because it, Cronwell used to do it. Yeah, it's because Cronwell is an elite player. Robert Hag is. <laughs> and so is <laughs> whenever someone misses, it's just... He meant to do that. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't have anything else from this game in particular. Again, people I, – I thought the crowd was amazing too. I, I like the pregame um, intros for the home games. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really great. Um, then we go back-to-back, which also, what kind of schedule is it that we get a back-to-back our first two games? Isn't that yeah. really, that's ridiculous. That was really dumb. Uh, didn't really matter, though. We won 5-2. But it did kind of matter if we, in the context of we were playing New Jersey. So we also, like, we got all played pretty bad for a good portion we. of it. Yeah, I said we. Sorry. That's a bad habit. <laughs> I forgot you yeah. the Red Wings. Yeah, the Red Wings got outplayed pretty bad for probably about half that game. I'd say the third period, I think Detroit did pretty well. And at points in the first, we did okay. I did it again. I gotta stop it. But um, no, definitely a game. Like I said, what I was talking about with added depth this year, where we have the ability to, we can score our way out of problems, and we haven't like we have reliable goaltending where we can win games, and I'm really excited about that. I was a little worried because the beginning of that game, Dougie Hamilton scored kind of a weak goal. I think I texted in the group chat. I'm like, Nelkovich is not doing himself any favors. And then he just went on to have like one of his better games I've seen him play. Yeah, he was really good. I I would have to agree. I, th- I thought he was he was very good. Yeah, again, he still makes me nervous for the, his style that he plays. But me too. Again, if you're making saves, I don't care. It's kind of like Peter Morazic, like when he was in Detroit. When he's making saves, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, kind of. I really thought like the New Jersey fans getting on Lindy Ruff was really really funny. Me too. As if he can control the goaltending. It's almost like you shouldn't have bet on the guy that Washington got rid of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, he goes seventeen. I think he had what seventeen saves on twenty four shots or twenty two shots. I think it was something like that. The Red Wings got out shot pretty bad. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but um. No, I, I loved that this team was a on a back-to-back and took advantage and were able to be opportunistic. I really liked some looks. Um, 
especially so yeah talk about Bertuzzi blocking that big shot um that's just a gutsy play very gutsy play and then the fact that Verona goes down literally as Bertuzzi changes on that shift and Verona goes down and his patented shot just rips it that was a snipe to say the least it was disgusting disgusting not as disgusting as Ben Schrott's snipe from the point, but you know, we don't have to get into that one. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of that was funny. Again, we've talked we talked about that. We talked about how Ben Sherrod has an, like an underrated point shot. Yeah, he does. And, and just he just turned and ripped it. He didn't look and it went top shelf. It was quite quite awesome. But again, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi out four to six weeks, broken. I'm assuming broken hand. It says upper body injury, but I'm assuming it's a hand. He shattered his hand, probably. Probably that, that was, was a hard, was a hard, hard shot. Hard shot from Ryan. I think it was Ryan Graves that took it, and just right directly in the hand. And yeah, ah, uh, yeah, top He's one. A really big loss. Yeah, but again, I mean, we and we'll get into the we'll get into the LA game. But with added depth, it's not as big of a loss as it would have been last year. I, I get, yeah. I, I mean, we look at. I like, understand the perspective of that, but. Once again, like losing Bert and Verona, no matter what depth you have, it's oh yeah, ginormous. Um, yeah, I did think this did spark some good things. The absence of Bertuzzi, yes, and the in the idea of two players in particular. Um, one, it, it happened in the LA game. But the other one happened kind of immediately after he got the change. I thought Dom Kubalik was was very very good once yes. he got put on the first line with Larkin and Raymond. Um, I kind of yeah. Again, he he just needs to be with the right players and he'll find the back of the net. Yeah, he's he's looked really good over the last two games. I mean, kind of invisible in the first game against Montreal, but he was playing on a, a fourth line with I think it was JV and Ernie. And JV was also invisible, and so yep. was Ernie. <laughs> um, yeah, Kub- I agree. Kub- Kubelik was adapted to the switch very well, and I th- think that was a big thing going into the season. Was Kubelik and in Peron kind of Kubelik had a rough couple of years in Chicago after he didn't have the consistency of good line mates anymore. Um, and Perron is a guy that you need to get going, and I think that kind of happened against LA too. Those are two important players down the stretch here. Yeah, especially over the course of this four to six weeks. Yep, and however long Veron is out. Yeah, and Kubalik. We'll get to Veron in a second, but yeah, Kubalik has that nice give and go play with Raymond, and just that, that was, quick that yeah. quick backhand doesn't even didn't even think about it. That quick release. I mentioned it a couple of times, but just having a player who's able to like score on one shot doesn't need, he doesn't need all the chances. He just needs one. And that's what Verona was. Verona is to the Red Wings. I don't know why I said was maybe because we're just talking about him being out, but um, Kubelik is also that. Yep. As a guy who can just score on one shot. Yeah. And I also, the the, kind of not like Verona um, when it comes to shoot first mentality, there's sometimes I, pinch myself sometimes when I want Kubelik to shoot the puck where Verona, I usually don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, he's a better shoot first mentality than Kubelik. I would like to see Kubelik shoot the puck a little bit more even. 
Yeah. Because his shot is disgustingly deadly. Yes. Um, yeah, that piranha goal was really nice too. Kim just getting in front there. Um, but the the cop to Larkin play, no look backhand pass to the slot. Larkin finishes. What a play. Yeah. It almost makes me think like I'm thinking way too far ahead. All right, bear with me. But next year comes around. Marco Casper is ready to go at center. Is cop just an easy answer to be left wing with Dylan Larkin if you can't come to terms with the contract on Tyler Bertuzzi? Um, maybe. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. We're a ways away. This is game three or just finished game, game three, three because I mean it's hard for me to say that Tyler Bertuzzi is a hundred percent Dylan Larkin's winger too. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I mean, Andrew cop as a whole so far this season hasn't really impressed me. I think a big part of that was, is because of the no preseason. Maybe. Um, he's looked fine. He's looked Okay. Yeah, under underwhelming, I guess is I agree the word with that. I'm looking for. I and it's not even because of his offense; it's more so just I haven't seen anything from him that I'm kind of been like, "Wow, there we go, there mm-hmm. he is." I mean, besides that assist to Larkin, there hasn't really been anything. Offense, he's been very underwhelming to me. Um, that second line has struggled offensively, I would say. Every yeah. game. Every game. I mean, you saw the production jump with Kubelik and Peron in the third game once they got bumped to play with Larkin. And I didn't notice Raymond when he went to play with Cobb. That's got to be something that's got to be figured out with the right fit there. I thought Zadina was a ghost. I thought he was good defensively, but offensively, yeah. He was I thought he's a bad ghost. Um, against LA, which was yeah, something I did him not and want to I see. Argued, yeah, I mean, we can. Um, that was kind of it for the Devils game. If we want to um touch on the LA game now, because which we'll spend the most time spend the most time on. Yeah. Um, because that game was wild. Uh, in a good way, but also kind of bad way. Like again, like I said, Vili Huso was really good the first game. Uh he could have had about two goals that he probably want back in this game. Yeah. I wouldn't even say he was bad. There was just a couple that, I mean, uh, would have Especially, liked him to make that save, but yeah, the one where, uh, was it whose goal was it? But anyway, it was the one that went through him and then Ben Trot was also not paying attention. There was everyone on the ice had no idea. So, I mean, yeah, I can't, you can't really like say shoot. He should have, it was just a leaker. And I would have liked – everyone thought he had it. Even L.A. thought they had it – or thought he had it until um, Kopitar saw Rasmussen rushing to the net and he, like, was like, oh, dove. yeah, there it is. Just Superman dove. Yeah. And quite funny. But, oh, yeah, the Red Wings – I, I, Go ahead. To kind of go off that goal, I think if that ever happens again and Rasmussen sees the puck like that, instead of rushing to the puck, he should kind of lollygag and act like the play is dead. And then go get it right. Yeah. So, and Kopitar has no idea. I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a joke. I was. Yeah, I got joking. you. I got <laughs> you. Try to fake about. Yeah. Um. But yeah. <laughs> final score five four overtime. Um. It's hard not to cap this game off with the Dylan Larkin play. 
as that was the the best the best play in the whole entire game. Arguably one of the best plays is Dylan Larkin's career. Uh like that was crazy. I was sitting, yeah, that, I was like was I, was, I was laying in bed finishing that and I was I literally, I, just, I said what? I just very loud what as he came back and because again get you think game's over. Even Derek Lalone said he thought the game was over. He's like, well, nah, bummer. And then no, Dylan Larkin saves the game. And yeah, unbelievable stuff from a guy who's about to get paid. Yeah, absolutely paid. Uh, I think another thing to look at, like I thought Dylan Larkin was really good at the hole, but you kind of alluded to David Perron's importance. How big was he this game? Yeah, he was, he was tremendous. I mean, one of my biggest things going into the season was finding production for him because of the career he's had so far. I mean, there's been a couple teams he's bounced around with that he hasn't had the same production that he's had in St. Louis and Vegas. His production was disgusting. I mean, Pittsburgh, he kind of struggled. It's because they kind of didn't prioritize him in my eyes. And I think he needs to be prioritized. He's, a very, very good player. And they kind of, it almost seemed like they switched the power play around to piggyback off him. I mean, kind of swapping Heronic and Cider was really interesting to me. But maybe they see fit, more fit of running a power play through Perron and then running that other unit through Cider. And they see Cider as a secondary Tuper on, which is totally understandable to me, where Heronic's just kind of the guy up there, just because. And yeah. then you want Cider's skill to be separated, which makes sense. And I thought Heronic has been his best on, on the power play in some years, plus as a whole player in years. I, I've been pretty happy with him. I've that been, whole pairing, that whole pairing is. Ali Mata has been great. I've been very happy with Veronic. Um, Mata has been very good. I'm kind of bouncing all over to everyone. Um, yeah, me too. But getting Perron going is very important, and I think he's been really good. Um, that LA game, he was spectacular. Yeah, and again, like, Red Wings kind of struggling to – keep consistent offense so they make the quick move to flop flop swap Raymond and Prawn. So you go Prawn, Lark, and Kubelik. And that line was fantastic. Started off with uh that little entrance play where Kubelik kind of whiffed on the puck. Then he went to go feed Larkin, got broken up, and then immediately finds Prawn backdoor. Great play. Really good vision. Again, I think Kubelik's been able to play with the puck a little bit more than I don't know. When I was watching him last year, again, it kind of looked like he was in north south, like looking for looking for shots versus kind of thinking east west and trying to make a play, which is something that I think he could do. It's just that he needs to he needs to be with the right players. It's hard not to see like that fit with Larkin and even Perron as a potential first line for moving forward for a little bit. Yeah. And I know that I, they, they switched think... it back in practice, but like that would be my ideal line, I think. They switched it back. Yeah, Raymond was with Kubelik and Larkin. Okay, I didn't even see that. Yeah, Prawn was just I, back with, with Cop. I would like, I wouldn't hate to see that on Friday. Yeah, 
my it would be dependent for me. I mean, it's kind of going into um, Verona as well. So Verona was is um, list. He's off now due to personal reasons. So I hope everything's okay. Starters with that before we get into anything. He's currently not on the active roster, which has kind of made people kind of panic. But again, that's pretty normal. As yeah. just to open up flexibility for Eisman if they do need to call someone up, depending on how long he's out. It's just roster flexibility. It's nothing. I mean, he could be back tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah. We'll know more eventually. But again, it's kind of like, again, like Dylan Arkin last year. Like, let him take his time. Go from there. And don't really ask questions. It's just none of our business. Yeah. But anyway, huge loss. And that second line, if you like, in my opinion, how I would go is if Verona is back, I would have Verona, Raymond, and Cop because I loved Verona and Raymond together. I did too. And I want to see Cop get more involved. And I think that could be the kind of. Peron plays a really interesting game where I don't know if him and Cop are the most suitable, but we're three games in a season. I need to relax. <laughs> um it's just analyzing season. It's just really unfortunate that this Verona and Bertuzzi situation. Um and your number one guy to call up, I'm pretty sure is injured. Bergen. Yeah, I think yeah. he's still hurt. I haven't heard anything else about that, which is it sucks because that could be a guy that you might be looking to plug right in. Yeah. Definitely, um, especially from performances with guys like Valeno and Zadina, not exactly instilling, instilling confidence to be higher in the lineup. It's clearly been like so. It's been Soderblom higher than both those guys. Easy. I, I think the weakest two forwards have been, and granted, Zadina's only played one game. I thought Valeno had a much better game against LA. So that puts him in my head. That puts him a lot, a very big chunk ahead of Zadina right now. But Valeno had an underwhelming performance against Montreal, and I thought Zadina was extremely underwhelming and kind of hurt that second line more than helped. Yeah, against he, LA. Didn't, he didn't just he didn't really bring any pace, which is my biggest issue. I'd like to see him push the pace a little bit more. Yeah, uh, and he showed that in preseason, which is my yeah. concern. I guess you think he'd he'd light a fire under him, scratching him the first two games, but and I I've thought Pew Studer from coming into the lineup, he's been great. Yeah, in a in a fourth line role, I've been pretty happy with him. I, he's been very good. There's no complaints from me. Um, yeah, especially. He just brings so much more right now than Zadina and Valeno, in my opinion. Defensively, and he's shown offensively, he's brought more. He's just so... In the role that he's being asked to play, yes. Yes. 100%. Um, which is unfortunate, because again, we were talking about Zadina having like a big year, uh, even Valeno taking a step. But again, it's just like, it hasn't really been there yet. Yeah, and they're still young. Time, time is time. But again, Zadina, especially with like committing three years, it's hard not to, you know, think where where he's at right now. Yeah, especially when you look at. I thought it was really interesting. Again, kind of looking future, but Robbie Fabry was brought up in like a lone press conference. I don't know, a couple days ago, and he referred to Robbie Fabry as like even a potential like top six guy. 
And I'm just and I'm just like thinking in my head. And I have nothing wrong with that comment. I like Robbie Fabry a lot. It's more so like, okay, so where do you view Zadina? If I could like give you some true serum. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And you got Bergren. I mean, you got Mazer who's tearing up the NCAA. You got a lot of wingers. Marco Casper, who's going to be it's needing ice time. A center. Which it's, I think, yeah. But again, you can start him off with the wing, but whatever. It's a forward spot. You got a lot of you got a lot of bodies coming in for a lot of little spots, which is a good thing. We're in a great spot right now. It's just the question is what's going on with Fileno and Sedina. Right. And right now, like I'd still have, I think I'd yeah, I I think I've switched my yeah, I've kind of switched with you. I think I would keep Vile- I'd keep Valeno in over Zadina if Ron is out. Yeah, I or if Ron is in, excuse me. I vice versa, yeah. I, I don't even think it's a question for me. <laughs> That's the thing. It sucks. Uh, no, I. I guess I just don't see as much fit for Zadina on this team than I do Valeno. To be honest with you, no matter how Zadina is playing, I don't think he's going to be as impactful as anyone in the top six or top nine. No, even if he's playing as good as we've seen, I don't think he's as impactful as anyone in the top nine. Yeah, not right now. Especially, I mean, you think like the weak link in the top nine is like uh, Oscar Sunquest. Uh, yes, and I think he provides more to that top that line. Well, I'm than... just saying with the game he just had too, especially like he was great against LA. Mm-hmm. They put him in the power play role, which at first I was like, that should be Michael Rasmussen's spot. And I was trying to tell you at the start of the season that he was incredible at, at the end of the last season. And you, you and Andy were questionable of having him even in the lineup i said he should be in the lineup i said he's a great fourth line player but i didn't like take an effect i wasn't expecting him to score big goals like that that was a lot of fun uh, I, I wasn't either I, peron peron calling him his biggest like peron calling hit like uh referring to himself as uh sunquist's biggest fan yeah i loved that uh what a play too again like going back to the Dylan larkin play which i could talk about all day i Again, that video is unbelievable. And then Victor Arvidsson's reaction. Um, but then to go back, have the composure to actually finish out the game and tie it. Yeah. That play from Perron and then Sunquist to have the right mind to not just like try to make a pass there. Because again, it's an easy play. Like you're not facing the net. And instead he just turns, uses his reach and goes right around quick. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And then every, everyone's reaction to great stuff. I loved every second of that. Is it bad that I'm, we're leaving out like, the most elite play of the whole game, Adam Ernie scoring on a two on one. <laughs> that was a really nice shot. I should give credit. I thought Adam Ernie was pretty good this game. I should give I th- credit. I, I thought he was too. I, I thought, aside from Montreal, I think he's been pretty good. And it he wasn't looked, like he was bad against Montreal. It was he just wasn't really noticeable. And it, yeah, even in the ways you would like him to be noticeable, like, like physicality and stuff, I just didn't notice him. He's thrown a couple big hits. He crunched Brendan Smith at one point. Yeah, he did. Uh, I'm trying to think what was the other hit. He had a hit against LA that I was like, oh, okay. Big yeah, one. he – I don't remember who it was against, though. I can't remember either, but he destroyed him. And that's what I want to see more of from Ernie. And that's how he establishes himself. My biggest complaint with him last year is Blasio was trying to play him on the second and third line. Yeah. Where the year before, his production was disgusting, playing with Glenn Denning and Helm, a pretty good fourth line. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. He, he established himself as a pretty good fourth liner. Yep. 
He can be a good fourth line with other good fourth line or play, fourth line players. Pew Suter and Pew question Suter. mark. Yes, right and Pew, Pew Suter. Maybe Joe Valeno. Pew Suter is an average third line player in my eyes. And he's playing yeah, the fourth line. No, yeah, he, so- he is. He played, he played a little bit below average on a second line last year. A bad second line at that. Yeah. And he, he did a pretty good job at most points last season doing it. I legitimately think he's a legitimate third liner and he's playing on a fourth line. And he, I thought he played very well doing it the last two games. Yeah. And I think he's a good fit with Ernie. Yeah. I, I agree with that stylistically. Uh, I guess kind of like to transition a little bit. Um, what have your thoughts been early on of um, year two of Cider and Raymond? What have you noticed? What have you liked? What haven't you liked? Um, not a whole lot of negatives. I, I think Raymond's been pretty good. Um, it's just kind of the getting him going, which hasn't really taken place yet, but it's not like he's been bad. Maybe a little bit more puck play from him, I would like to see. More puck touches. And holding on to the puck a little bit longer. And with Mo, he's firing the puck every time he touches it, which I really like. He's got a a really good shot. Defensively, not been great. That pairing in general has had a rough game against L.A., um, he hasn't been super noticeable, which I'm not concerned about. Cause I mean, it's just, it's just not concerning to me. Um, I, I did want to talk about Sherrod a little bit. I, if that's okay, I know I, I yeah, guess I'll quickly, I'll give my thoughts quickly on, um, the two young guys. It looks to me, I think Mick brought it up on the pod or the podcast, the broadcast too. Um, he looks like Raymond's adjusting to having less time and space out there as teams are kind of playing around him a little bit more. He kind of noticed at the back half of the year, it's just like he's getting his looks, but it's almost like like five on five normally. He's not having as much time to do anything. And maybe it's just be the effect of not like, um, again, especially like I noticed it a lot with when he was with Cop. I, that's where I kind of disagree with the whole as much time. I don't know if that there's necessarily teams planning to play against Raymond. I would say they're worried about some bigger fish than Raymond, like Dylan Larkin um, right now and at this stage in his career. I would say they're aware, and but I wouldn't say they're just completely planning to play against Raymond. I, I kind of don't like when he says that, um, but I understand – and yes, it is less time when he's playing with Andrew Cop. I do like that you brought that up because Larkin's speed just drives, just pulls up so much more room for anyone that he's playing with. And I think that's why Kubelik and Peron adjusted so well to that. They had so much more space. Mm-hmm. And Peron is great when he has space. <laughs> That's all he needs. He just needs a little bit of time. And he he'll score. just needs a little bit of time, and he will make a play, whether that's an unreal dish or a great shot. Um, yeah. 
And with Cider, again, yeah, I thought the LA game was his weakest. But other than that, I, I've still liked his game. I, he's still playing with pace. He's making those neutral zone breakups that we noticed last year and making a play. Even in the LA game with the empty net, he he kept that play alive to even start the the rush for the Sunquist goal. Yep. In the neutral zone, we had two guys on him. So he's still doing that. I've liked his play. Um, it's just a couple of those, the couple of those goals against LA when him and Shaw were on the ice, I would have liked him to see them be a little more aggressive, especially that Gabe Velarde one, even though it went the inside of his leg and it was a weird bounce, I would have liked him to attack the puck a little bit more. And then the rush goal with Kempe, it kind of just looked like Schrott and him combined on one side and left Kempe all by himself. Yeah. To go That's in and have the time that you want to leave all by himself either. <laughs> no, and it was a perfectly placed shot. I mean, it kind of looks weird when it's like a low shot like that, and you think who so much like maybe should have that. Yeah, that's a great a shot. shot. Great shot. Great shot. Um, yeah. Talk about Sherrod then. What do you want to say? Um, he comes as advertised, and I would argue a little bit better than advertised. Overall, I've liked him. He definitely has had moments where I'm I'm wanted leaving more but overall i've liked him yeah i he brings he brings a new element to the team of a fuck you mentality uh ex the fiala play that you guys disagreed with me that should shouldn't have been a penalty which i i think it should have been and it was he kind of gives fiala a shot after the play goes the other way which the refs don't see Mm-hmm. And Fiala is two steps ahead of Sherratt. Fiala turns around, basically charges at Sherratt and throws him into the boards, which is a penalty that's retaliating and roughing, which I thought was a really good call. Um, you just don't see players aggravating people like that on the Red Wings in the last couple of years. Maybe Glenn Denning, he would do little – little time kind of Bertuzzi does occasionally but Bertuzzi yeah. does occasionally but he's not constantly trying to do that where no Sherratt it's constant and nobody is in front of the net after the whistle when Sherratt's on the ice because Sherratt will just literally sucker him <laughs> <laughs> who did he who was it that he beat the shit out of uh one I of the games <laughs> i don't know but it's every single time so his mentality <laughs> is they can't call them all <laughs> He's like, I might get one penalty, but I can do it three other He's times. Like, they're not going to call me. His, his mentality is literally, if I sucker someone in front of the net, they're going to hit me back, and it'll be at least four on four. <laughs> it's amazing. Which no, I, lo- I love that mentality, literally. I've liked him. I Yeah, again, I think they'll be fine, Sherrod and Cider, as a pairing. I think it's just one bad game, and I liked them the first two games. I thought they were both solid. And the control, like Schrott's even jumping in the play in the offensive zone, which I've liked. He's activating more, which I wasn't really expecting. I wasn't expecting that as much either, to be honest with you. And I and it hasn't been like bad jumping in the play. It hasn't no, been good. It hasn't good. been like the <laughs> man. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you do you follow Big Cat on Twitter. No, he does his like. This is. This is it's oh, gonna sound is, off. is it his quarterback ranking? Yes, it's going to sound off topic, but I think of like I'll switch it to defenseman rankings. And he has one tier. It says trying to make a play, and it's like usually in trying to make a play, it's like uh, Justin Fields in there, and he's a Bears fan. Uh, and then Russell Wilson will be in there. <laughs> That's rad. Trying trying to make a play, and I think of like Ben Schrott 
in a defense and rankings. It's not like the trying to make a play tier. That would be like Mark Stahl last year. It's like trying to make a play. Yeah. <laughs> either that play is going to turn out really bad or really good. Where Ben tries, it's it's not like I'm freaking out like Mark Stahl last year. No, I think it's just like a, a little bit of – since they're both physical defensemen, a lot of times on two-on-two situations, both of them want to go to the puck carrier to make a hit. And yep. what's happening is that weak side guy's being left alone. Yeah, rushes have been scary with the two of them. But I think that's something – I don't know. I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, no. if you, if you look at the track record from the two coaches at – we probably talk about the most Bugner and Lalone. Uh, defensively, as coaches, I'm not too concerned. Especially when you compare the penalty kill right now, which has been fantastic. Yes. That penalty kill has been great. Yep. And if we do want to bring up Andrew Kopp in a positive light, I think he's been great on the penalty kill. Yes. I think the forwards as a whole have been great. I mean, who have been the main ones? It's been Larkin, Kopp, Rass, and is it Suter? Sonny, Rass and Sonny are together, and then it's kind of a mixed bag. Valeno's done it a little bit. Ernie's done it a little bit. And Suter. Suter's done it a little bit. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that I'm leaving off. I don't think so. Yeah, I think the main pairings are Cop and Lark, and then Sonny and Rass, and then it's kind of Suter and Ernie. And mm-hmm. Valeno has subbed in there once because someone else was in the box. I think he did it against Montreal because Suter wasn't playing. Yes, and then... I think another time because one of the other penalty killers was in the box. Right. And I've, I've liked it. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, nothing, no complaint. It, they're just so much more aggressive. And I, I really, if you really watch, I, I've really been keying in on the switching where you're the one, the weak side guys coming across to, uh, the blue line with this stick out towards open ice yep. and pressuring to the boards. And then immediately if they make the pass, the other guy switches. Yeah. The transitions have been really good on the penalty kill. Wild you can obviously killing. you can obviously tell it's been worked on uh, heavily. Yeah, pounded. Yep. I don't know. That and the neutral zone have been my biggest system takeaways so far, and I've liked them both a lot. Yeah. The, it's just, the neutral the bo- power, zone is the, just a lot yeah. nicer. 100%. The power play for me is just like, like the one thing I want to get a little bit going a little more. And we saw that a little bit with Perron. I mean, uh, that finish too, that on his power play goal, where he just loaded up and ripped it. Yeah, and I with the personnel that they had out, I would say I was pretty pleased with how the power play was. On yeah, missing Monday, yeah, Verona, yeah, yeah. I like. I know you brought up the first unit being utilized the most to Perron, and I think like with that second unit, I think the mentality is to try to have more of an even two even units, even though you're going to prioritize the first one more. Um, with you got Raymond Cider and then also Soderbloom in there to make a play. Cop, hopefully, he can get going. And then again, I think that's Verona that goes in the other spot in when he is back, but Zadino's there and I mean, he didn't really make a play. But again, Verona there, I'm more confident in that unit paying off. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think a lot of it has to do with the Hironic and Peron idea to get the puck mm-hmm. to Perron more because I think Mo likes to play with it a little bit more himself and that's a good thing so that gives him and Raymond I mean they have good chemistry together already yeah so so I like that second unit yeah me too um I'm trying to think of anything else from this game that I really found notable um yeah I can't really think of anything else I yeah oh the Elmer play 
Okay, I forget about that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I like wow. his comment. I, I like just for like thirty seconds. I like his comment too about um <laughs> the high <laughs> stick. He's like, well, my shoulder. I know, I know the high stick's supposed to be on my shoulders, and it's just, well, dude, your shoulders are eighteen feet in the air. Yeah, not really fair. Uh, but no, I, if you would have scored on that, I would, I would have went nuts. I just to have me. the 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 thinking to do that at that point in time. There's not a lot of players that would just do that. I mean, Sidney Crosby and Elmer's already better than Sidney Crosby. I mean, chill. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, their numbers are pretty close together. 85-87. So, basically the same player. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, I'm I'm looking forward to the Chicago game because I feel like this could be a uh, a breakout game for some guys looking to get through offensively. Maybe a game like Cider can figure it out on the power play a little bit. Raymond can get one. Cop can get going. That's what I'm looking for. And just systems. Just we should win. It should be a game that's won decisively. And to see good play from everyone would yeah. be great. Kind of like a Montreal style. I mean, it seems like they're adjusting to whoever they're playing. You saw a complete defensive show on the home opener. And then kind of a differing game against New Jersey because they were on a back-to-back and they kind of had to keep up with New Jersey's pace more than they had to do with Montreal. It's kind of tougher to shut down New Jersey's offense than it is Montreal. So they kind of had to just to play a more offensive style. And same with L.A., Mm-hmm. which yeah. good teams are able to adjust. And the Red Wings had one game last year, and it was, okay, we're going to try to outscore you. We don't really care about defense. And we did that against the Maple Leafs and got burnt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got burnt. Um, but no, as a whole, like this team just feels so much different, especially the, the Monday night game. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah. Because initially I'm like, oh, I can't believe we lost off that a weird bounce from Hironic going down. And it's just a weak, weak goal to let in. It's yeah. Not, no one's fault. It's just kind of a puck bounced happens. But looking at it, like I think uh, Perron said that this is a point we may look back at in April and being, be, wow, we got that point. Yeah. Which is huge. And Looking at last year, I think it was Prashant Iyer put it on Twitter. Um, the Red Wings went, I think it was one forty and two or three, with when trailing a game in the third period with like five minutes left. One forty. Oh yeah. Re- okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So it's just something already off to a better start when you're like trailing and you're able to make a play and get a point at least. And also like. Six on five last year. The Red Wings were horrendous. Oh, 100%. So that's really encouraging to see them score on a six and five, a six on five that early into the season, to be honest with you. I mean, that's so important for winning teams is to be able to score six on five, right? I mean, what was Minnesota last year? I think they scored. They scored a bunch of six on five. I think. 18 goals at least six on five, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. If you can score anywhere between probably like 
eight to twelve, you're sitting pretty good. It's just a rough estimate. But last year, I don't even know how many the Red Wings got, but it was probably under five. Six on five goals. Yeah, I'd argue way less. Way less than five. Yeah, I, know. Uh, I think it's I probably one or one. maybe even one or two. Yeah, I can't remember one time they did. So again, like we won one game in the third period. Where so I'm assuming you came back and probably tied the game six on five, and then one game in overtime, so maybe a couple. Yeah, I can't think. I can't think of the games on the top of my head, but yeah, it's it. You're right. It's almost like another power play too, which is not, uh, again gaining gaining confidence for something that's been kind of a major point for struggling for the Red Wings so far this season. Early, yeah. but I find it pretty important for teams to start off well on the power play and with this you get you get two basically power play goals this game and you can take that confidence and move forward which i'm excited about um yeah yeah, the red wings are in an interesting spot to try to catch some teams off guard that are trying to pick catch up in the atlantic i mean we look at florida now down ekblad which i said i said in the last episode that what (laughs) they're an ekblad injury away from who knows what even a Montour injury away, and Montour's hurt too. Like, yeah, you could. It didn't even have to be. They're one and two defensemen already injured. Yep. And if Ekblad goes down, Montour's the guy. And if Montour goes down, like Forsling. they're they're even struggling with yeah. with the. It, I'm saying if they still had Ekblad, even with Montour down, they're still struck. They're still hurting because yep. Montour, I would say, is a pretty big piece now in Florida. Yeah. Where last year he was their fourth or fifth defenseman. Yeah, definitely. So it's a team like, again, Toronto is in a weird spot with goaltending. Not that the Reddings are playing these teams directly right now, but just to get ahead, like win your games that you can win. And then you hope other teams can take it, take care of business and you can stay ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, we're so early into the season. But... Yeah, I think, but I think starts are so important, though. Starts I mean, are really important. You look at every. Every season, it's always talked about who's in the playoff spot or who's in the playoff race by Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's such an indicator of how you finish the season. So, again, we're still building towards that, and I, I'm super excited. This has been a – honestly, out of first weeks, this is, couldn't have really gone much better. No, I I kind of counted – I saw the, the first three games going, basically Montreal as a win. New Jersey is a loss and LA is a toss up. And so to get five points out of that, I mean, I was probably projecting two to four points to get mm-hmm. five points is very good. Yep. Um, Against a tough LA team. I kind of figured that one would go bef- before the season started to overtime. I kind of had that estimate. So I was estimating like three points after the first three games and there are five. Which that win against New Jersey was really big on a back-to-back. Yeah, again, not, not something. I think the Red Wings did that once last year. I want to say they won on a back-to-back. Back-to-backs are tough. Back-to-backs are tough, especially, especially traveling. Yeah, especially traveling. It, it was uh, last year in Winnipeg, where mm-hmm. Sam Gagne scored on shorthanded, and Rasmussen scored that game as well. Yep, I remember that being. I think the only game on a back-to-back we won. Yeah. So that's our right, again. We're one and on back to backs right now. Great moving forward. I'm yeah. I think it's gonna do it for this one, unless you got anything else NHL wise that you want to get to. I mean, I think we kind of hit everything. 
Yeah. No. Uh, really looking forward to the this weekend of games coming up against Chicago and Anaheim, which Anaheim I'm probably more excited for simply for the fact of another team kind of in a similar spot as New Jersey, Montreal, Detroit, where they're at and see where Detroit's at, like a litmus test. Yep. Which is exciting. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please check out our partners at Inside the Rink. A lot of good stuff going up there. Um, subscribe on Apple, Spotify to our podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod. Yeah, thank you for listening. So as soon as we step away to make dinner and all that, the Red Wings uh, drop some news. Or I shouldn't say the Red Wings, the NHL PA drops some news that um, Jacob Arana has been placed into the player assistance program. Um, reading directly from the blurb, the National Hockey League's Players Association and National Hockey League announced today that forward Jacob Verana will be unavailable to the, his club for an indefinite period of time while he receives care from the player assistance program of the NHL and the NHLPA. Under the terms of the joint program, Verana will continue to be paid while receiving treatment. He will return to the club when he's cleared for on-ice competition by the program's administrators. Um, obviously, to start, I hope Jacob Verana takes his, he has as much time as he needs off and has received the best care and is able to get the help that he needs. That's by far the most getting his life on track. Most important. Um, yeah. Uh, from us here, hope he is able to do that. Um, yeah, 100%. It is hard to have this talk without talking about the impact of him being out of the lineup for an indefinite period of time. It's just so unfortunate for a player like him that has been, all right, here's the breakout. Here's the breakout. And then the past two, two years in a row now, he's gotten railroaded for various reasons. And it's just, it's a bummer for him personally that he hasn't been able to prove himself across a long sample size. Yeah, it's very unfortunate for him personally and main thing is just everything hoping the best for him and that care is the best and he deals with whatever it is that needs to be dealt with for as long as it takes 100 percent. again taking all the time he needs to get the help that he needs is by far the most important thing and here at uh, the Production Line Podcast, we're wishing them all the best. 